Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 18. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. And if you're still learning around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. And, and Matthew, he shared this is what Jesus said. He said, if another believer sins against you, go privately. Everybody say, go privately. So if another believer sins against you, go privately and then post it on your social media setting so the rest of the world knows what a problem they are. No, that's, that's not what it says. Go privately and point out the offense. If, if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. So he said, first of all, he said, go privately to them and point it out. And he said, if they confess it, then, then you've won it back. And I want you to see, you know, part of the Part of the reason why Jesus said to go with them privately is because part of the goal is to win them back. It's for restoration, to restore the relationship. And so then he goes on to say in this, he said, um, you've won the person back, but he said, if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, now, here's the thing. Hang on. Don't get ahead of me. You may not be clapping when I'm through. All right? So, how, sh how should you treat a pagan? Sh shouldn't you love them? So, in other words, like, you know, we can, we're still called to love people. So he said this, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, and if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, think about this. Jesus is sharing with them just some things about the church that he's going to leave them with, that he's called them to be a part of building. And so he's giving them instructions. And, and so I think it's interesting that in this, that Jesus said, if another person sins against you, he didn't tell us, you know, and so it, it's interesting he didn't say sins against God. He said sins against you. In other words, if they do things that impact you personally. In other words, sometimes people are going to do things that impact us, that are wrong, that are against us. Now, it's interesting to me. He didn't say, hey, if you'll do this, then this is how you keep people from ever disappointing you, ever letting you down, ever hurting your feelings, ever taking advantage of you, ever neglecting you. He, he didn't give us that. He just said, this is what you do when that happens. So, you know, sometimes I think we lose sight of that, that because, you know, that every person that's in our life is broken in some area, that we're going to have some issue that, that we get to deal with them in. And guess what? Every person that has us in their life deals with a person that is broken in some areas, and there's things that they, that they have to deal with about us, right? And so we understand that and we see it. And so he said, whenever we run into each other's brokenness, 
that our first response is to go to them privately. And then he even deals with it like a, in a church setting, that if the response isn't good, that it's so important that there's correction in their life, but also that the relationship is in store. He said, then you take somebody else with you. And then, you know, and so he takes it all the way down that line. Well, then after all this is over, Peter comes up to him and he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, I'm sure in his mind that seven times felt like a lot of times. That it was like, oh my gosh, man, seven times, please don't say yes. Please don't say yes. <laughs> and so he said this, do we forgive him seven times? And then Peter, uh, Jesus said this, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So what Jesus was saying to us, is, I think two things. One is, is that we're going to have an opportunity to forgive people a lot. People are gonna have an opportunity to forgive us a lot. And, and in order for relationships to last a long time, if you're gonna journey with people a long way, then you're gonna have to be willing to forgive them. That the only way that relationships last as long as they can, as long as they should, is that if we're willing to make forgiveness a part of our arsenal, and how we deal with people. Now, I know for some people that, you know, forgiveness seems to be easier for some people than it does for others. Some people reserve the right to bear grudges. Some people reserve the right to hold on to stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't fully understand that, you know, and, um, and maybe it's because of how they were raised, maybe because of the wounds that they deal with, you know, that it's just maybe because they don't understand forgiveness. You know, I think sometimes people think forgiveness is that God's asking us to tell that person that what you did was okay, which forgiveness is not that. Forgiveness is just saying that there's no debt with us, that you have no debt to me. And so, you know, I, 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 you know I've shared this story before, and it's one that I've shared, but it's, it's the best example. I have. Some people say, I wish, I wish you had better examples. Well, you probably need to find a smarter pastor. And so here's the thing is that... Is that um, that, you know, I've showed this before, like if you, if you loaned me your car and I said I was going to keep it for a couple of hours and so I kept it for, you know, a couple hours go by and I'm not there and I'm, well, he'll, you know, sometimes he's late, he'll be here and then several hours go by and then after a while, man, I mean, it's, it's like 24 hours and now you're calling me frantically and I'm, I'm not answering the phone, I'm ghosting you and then two days go and same, after about three days, I, I come back with the car and it's got a few dings in it and stuff like that. And you're like, dude, you, you said you're going to be a few hours. It's three days. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I just, I just got distracted. And then, you know, it was just a good day. I, I went fishing. And, and I kind of went over into, the, you know, into this field. And, man, they were hitting. And then it just seemed, you know, it was just a great night. I set up camp. And, and I just lost track of time. Three days? Dude, it was, it, was a great, it was just a great time. Thank you for being a part of that, you know. And so, so I said, but I know it's just it's really wrong. And, I, and I'm sorry. Well, and the terrain I was on was kind of rough. That's why it's all kind of beat up. And I'm just sorry. And you go, I, I forgive you. Really? Yeah, I forgive you. So I give you back the keys. You take it. You, you get the dings knocked out. You get it repainted. You get it all fixed up where it's just like it was when you first handed it to me. You don't send me a bill. When we see each other, you're kind to me. You engage with me. Several months go by and I come to you and I say, Hey, man, I got an issue with my car. Can I borrow your car? And you go, you go, no. And I said, why? 
I thought you forgave me. And you go, I did. I did forgive you. The issue isn't that I don't forgive you. The issue is I, I don't trust you. And, and I think sometimes that we lose sight of the fact that forgiveness and trust, that they're, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. And so we have to, we're called to forgive each other. And just, just because you forgive me doesn't mean that you're obligated to trust me. Just because I forgive you doesn't mean that I'm obligated to trust you. But Jesus right here in, in, in this whole thing that we like to quote as church discipline, which there is an element of that in there. I'm not denying that. But a huge part of the reason is for resolution in the relationship. Because he said, if, you, if you've done that, then you've gained them back. You personally have gained them back. That, that's, that's what he's looking for. And, and, and I think we lose sight of the fact that, that relationships are one of those things that they're, they're messy sometimes. Because both people involved have their stuff. When, when I do weddings, some of you have done your wedding before, and I, a lot of times I close with this just because it was what I grew up with. My, my mom and dad in February of 2005 celebrated their 50th anniversary. And it was just a great gift that they gave me, you know, and several months later, or a few months later, my dad, you know, his, his health began to fail. And, and in July of that year, he passed away, but it was, a few, you know, five months after they celebrated their 50th anniversary. I thought, man, what a gift. But I lived with them, and I know this about them, that they weren't perfect. It wasn't like they never had conflict. It wasn't like they didn't have anything going on in their life. I, I lived with them. I saw them have conflict. But I tell people, I say there were three phrases that were evident in our home growing up. The first one was, I'm sorry. And I tell people this when they get married. I said, look, you know that you're going to have an opportunity to apologize to the person that you're married to more than any other person. And all the married people said. Amen. And so we do. You have that opportunity to do that. And, and I, I heard that in my home on a regular basis from both of my parents. I heard them apologize to each other. They apologized to me even as their kid. It's always been a mystery to me why some people struggle apologizing. I've seen people do mental gymnastics to avoid even taking the just the slightest amount of responsibility for any issue. And, and they want to hold on to their privilege of appearing to be right because they're not right. But the privilege of appearing to be right, they'll take that over the longevity of the relationship. I just, I just never understood that. It just makes no sense to me. And then the second thing I said was, the only way you get to say I'm sorry, but the other phrase you'll get to use often is, I forgive you. And again, I, I've experienced that growing up. And in our families, in our marriages, with our kids, with our parents, with the people that we work with, with the people that we go to church with, that we get the, the privilege of forgiving people. We get to forgive them. And again, forgiveness is not saying that what you did is okay. Forgiveness is one of those things that, that it's, it's just realizing that you're not indebted to me. I'm not, I'm not going to hold this against you. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that I trust you in this moment. 
And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But it's just, it's just something that's powerful that allows relationships to continue. To continue, I'm, I'm sorry, and then I forgive you, will be two things that we carry with us often. And then the third phrase that I would hear in my home growing up often was, I love you. And it was just one of those phrases that was said just regularly. I, it was never, I never questioned it on my best day or on my worst day, whether or not they love me. And friendships that are in our world, that are in our life, that we get the opportunity to do that. I've said this for myself, and that is, is that when, you know, that I have some rules that people have to understand about love, and that is, first of all, is that I've endeavored to love whoever's in front of me. Whoever's in front of me. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes if I love somebody that's hurt you, you need to understand this, I'm not betraying you by loving them, nor am I validating them by loving them. I'm, I'm just loving them. And so we're called to forgive. So number one is this, is that forgiveness helps healthy relationships last. Let's look at number two. If you would go with me, if you would, to John 15. You're in, you're in Matthew. The next book's over Mark, Luke, and John. John 15. Now, John, was a, he was a follower of Jesus. He became an apostle. A lot of theologians think when he was like in his late teens, and um, he, he lived to be in his 90s. And so he wrote this eyewitness account. He heard Jesus say these things. And so in verse 12, he said this. He said, this is my commandment. Everybody say commandment. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So he said, love each other the way that I've loved you. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Then he said this, he said, you are my friends if, everybody say if. Yeah. Now, if is a conditional word. You know, you, if you're a parent, you've probably done that with your kids. You know that, hey, you know what, if you clean your room up, then we're going to go do this afterwards. And then when, when they don't clean the room up and afterwards comes, hey, we going to do so-and-so? No, remember, I said, if you do that. And so I want you to see that Jesus, when he talked about being his friend, that that was a conditional stance. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor Rick, I thought Jesus loves all of us. He does. He loves all of us. And if that's the connection in which you want to be familiar with him and you want to know him, and that does he love you, that is unquestionable. He loves you and he loves me, no matter who we are, no matter what we do. Now, Here's the other side of it. Here's the other side of it. Is that, that that's, that's a different relationship than being somebody's friend. In other words, that you know, I can love everybody, but it doesn't mean I'm everybody's friend. Now, oh, so am I your enemy? No, I didn't say that either. But there's just a difference in relationship when it comes to friendship. That it means that, that they're, they're drawn in and they're called in to our life. That they're in our circle. And so, you know, first of all, as we talked about earlier, we have to teach our kids that they have, to they have to be taught how to forgive, that if their friendships, their relationships, their marriages are gonna last a long time, then they're gonna have to learn to forgive. And one of the places that they have to see it is in our lives personally, that they have to be willing to see that in our own lives, that we have to be great forgivers. They have to experience it from us. They have to see it in our marriages. They have to see it in the way that we deal with people in our circle, our family, people we work with, people we're in community with, that we go to church with. And so our kids, we want them to leave our home 
with, that where they're healthy enough to forgive, that they're not great gr- grudge keepers and just justify their bitterness. But they're great forgivers. Yet on the other hand, we have to help them understand this too, is that not everybody's called to be my friend. I can love everybody, but not everybody's called to be my friend. And Jesus even said this, that, you know, that he loves us, but if you want to enter into a relationship that's friendship-like, There are conditions with that. There are boundaries with that. And he said, you're my friends if you do what I command. In other words, if we endeavor to follow him. Now, does that mean we're going to be perfect? Heavens, no. Does that mean we'll never make mistakes? Of course not. But what it does mean that even in in the middle of the mistakes that I make, that my heart endeavors to follow you, Jesus. That I want to do what you want me to do. That I, that I want to, you know, just, I want to follow you as best as I can. And, and, and when I blow it, I fall down, then I get back up. And then I fall down, I get back up. Proverbs says this, it says, though we may fall seven times, that we get back up. And so with us, that we have to do that. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. And so with us, we have to understand that our kids have to be taught this. Number two, if you're taking notes, is this, is that healthy relationships have boundaries. That they have boundaries that that we want our kids to know. That there are people in our lives that we set boundaries for them. And guess what? They get to set boundaries for us. Even in our relationship with the Lord, that he said, look, if you want to be my friends, if that's the kind of relationship we have, then you can't be indifferent to what I say. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command. In other words, the things that I say have to matter to you. Well, would you consider somebody a friend that whenever they're talking to you, if you're just indifferent to the words that they say, that you want nothing to do with them? Eh. Are those your friends? So we can understand that, right, that Jesus would say that. Well, in our own lives, for us to have, you know, in our friendships, in our relationships, that healthy relationships have boundaries. We have to be able to say that. And so, you know, here's one thing that I say is that one reason that often when we blow it with people, whenever we make mistakes, when things take place, that one of the things that happens is that in that blowing it, in those things taking place, that we lose trust with them. And, and so they forgive us, but because we violated those boundaries, then they don't trust us. And so the way that we regain trust is by we sit down with people and we discover what their boundaries are. And then as we agree to them and we do them, then we begin to regain trust in that relationship. So, you know, sometimes one of the mistakes that people make is that they'll sit and they'll, you know, they'll blow it and they'll go to somebody, hey man, I'm sorry. And that person says, well, you know, if we're going to be friends, then you can never do this again. And we go, okay. And sometimes we say okay with really never an intention of fully committing to that. Sometimes we say okay just because we want peace. We don't want them mad at us. And then we violate it again, not understanding that in violating it again, that we've just distanced ourselves from them even more. And we want our kids that, you know, that we were never called to do this alone. But but also that we have to understand that God's called us to have healthy relationships in our life and and there are people that we're going to have to forgive at times and then also there's situations with people that that you know that we're going to have to set boundaries with people that are going to set boundaries with us 
And that when we leave their life and, or when we leave their presence, or there's still things that we have to follow. And, and whenever we violate that boundary, then we lose trust with them. Now, not all violations are the same. Some violations, you know, they're, they're kind of like paper cuts. They're still painful. We're not indifferent to them. But the cause or the effect of them is not as great as some that are incredibly deep, incredibly broken in our world. And, and what we, what we lose sight of the fact that when we lose trust, that it's not an overnight fix. That people aren't obligated to trust us. Well, I thought you forgave me. I did. I forgive you. You don't owe me anything. I just don't trust you. I'm not letting you do it because I'm punishing you. I'm not letting you do it because people that have this kind of access to my life are only people that I trust. It's just, it, it's such a vital thing in every relationship we have is that trust is the currency for relationships. How much access do you get to an individual's world? How much do they trust you? We don't want to be enablers. We don't want to be people that are constantly giving people their way. It's not healthy for them. It's certainly not healthy for us. It's not what God has called us to do. That there are these boundaries that we're called to set for our life. There's boundaries that people in, that we're in friendship with are called to set. That it's okay if our spouses have boundaries and how we, they want to be talked to and how they want to be treated. And, and, you know, our kids, that they should learn that in our home, that about healthy boundaries, you know, just, you know, and one of the responsibilities and obligations that we have as parents is to help our kids understand that, that, you know, that there's a great deal of respect. Now, I, I'm going to say something here, and it, it runs a good risk of, of hurting your feelings, and, and if it does, then Okay. So, and so many times as parents, the mistakes we make, we, we mean well. We're, we're good intentioned. We really are. I mean, a lot of mistakes I made, I was good intentioned and that kind of thing. But it, I, I talk with educator after educator, teacher after teacher that is leaving. I mean, just, they're just, the number of educators leaving the area of education, it's just, it's bigger than it's ever been before. It's astronomically large. And I hear so many things connected to, you know, the way that we tried to navigate our way through COVID. And, and I'm not criticizing anybody. I, I try to give a lot of grace because we've never been through in our lifetime something like that. And so I'm not called to judge anybody's heart into why they did certain things or anything like that. But I'm just talking about, you know, as a nation and that kind of thing. But, but it seems like one of the things that came out with is that, you know, I think if we're doing it right, there's a tension whenever our kids are being questioned about their behavior. And on the one hand, we want to be their advocate. And then on the other hand, to not always assume that the person in authority is wrong. And I think we do, we, we do an injustice to them. I, I see people, and when I, when I watch a lot of these things anymore, and I see the way that public discourse and public debate takes place, that the way people talk to each other, that, that I just realized that there's a good possibility there wasn't a person in their life that the first time they did that when they were younger put a stop to it. And 
so many times, I, well, I know years ago, one of, one of our kids had, um, I came home, he was kind of upset, he got his toy taken away from him. And so Tina and I talked and she said, I, I'd like for you to go down and get, get the toy back. And I said, well, tell me what happened. And he had been told not to bring it. And so hey, if you bring it again, you're going to lose it. Well, a few days later, he brings it, so he loses it. So I loaded him up in the car, and I took him down there. And I said to the teacher, I said, did you, did you take his toy from him? And she immediately got defensive, and I understand why. She was, I, I told her, I'm not here to get it back from him, for him. He's going to apologize to you. So I said, you owe her an apology. I'm sorry. And I said, and even if she wanted to, I wouldn't let her give you the toy back because you violated her boundary. Now, I, I didn't do that because I'm really going to show him. I, I'm, I'm doing that because I, I wanted him to understand that, that there's consequences with our decisions. And, and you know, and we, you know, in, endeavoring for our kids to have this great self-esteem and, and that, that kind of thing that too often, it seems like in our society, that we, we allow them to overstep boundaries that in generations before they would have never been given the opportunity. We were, we were officiating, and um, I mean, I, actually, I'm, I'm an officiate. I was playing basketball when I was a kid, and I'm competitive, and um, I, I, I realized that probably the one world that I can still be petty in is sports, and so, um, and so I remember that I, I didn't feel like the officiating was going very well for us, and I was a kid. And I said something to the official about it after the game. And he kind of had a stunned look on his face because I was, it was ugly. And my, my dad didn't hear what I said, but he asked me. He said, what did you say to that official? And I very proudly spoke, oh, I said, so and so. Man, it was not a good day for Rick Burke and the Burke household that day. <laughs> but I, I think there's, this is one of the things that's missing in our culture, it's, and it's, and the, the greatest place of instruction is the home, is the home. That, you know, and it shows that, I mean, if, we're, if, we, if we don't understand the value of boundaries, it impacts our marriage. It impacts the relationships that matter to us. It impacts people's ability to trust us. And so, Healthy relationships have boundaries. This is how we regain trust. Let's look at this last one and we'll close. Go with me, if you would, to John 6. John 6, verse 60. Jesus said this, he said, or it says this, many of his disciples said, this, this is very hard to understand, how can anyone accept it? And this is where Jesus is being taught. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, everybody say at this point. Many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. In other words, there were things that he said that they didn't agree with or didn't like, and so they turned away from him and deserted him. You know what his response could have been? You know, some people would have ran after them and said, oh, no, you, you know, please don't go. Please don't go. Stay, you know, and, and I, I'll, I'll never say that again. I take it back. I, I didn't mean it. But, but instead, Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? In other words, for him, it was a defining moment. In other words, this is the truth, and, and I can't change it just to make you stay. That this is the truth and you get to decide whether or not this is something you're going to embrace because I don't get to shape the truth. It shapes me. I, I don't bend it. It bends me. And so, you know, I, I don't get to, to make it new. It is what it is. It's eternal. It's been established way before I was here. and It'll be established after I go away. It's the truth. And so he was willing to let them walk away because in order to get them to stay, he would have to turn his back on the truth and he was unwilling to do that. And here's something that's very hard in our life, but our kids have to understand that, is that sometimes in healthy relationships, sometimes you have to be willing to let go. Sometimes people, for whatever reason, that, that they're just, you know, they're not willing to go with us in the direction that God has called us to go in. Now, when I say this, my big concern is always that it'll be a married person that's saying, boy, that's just what I've been waiting for. I can't wait till we get home. I'm going to tell my spouse that I'm through with them. I'm letting you go. I don't want to walk with you anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about those relationships that, that you know, that if we're going to serve God, that they're not willing to be a part of it. Somebody said, well, I become a Christian. Will I have to let my friendships go? No, you don't have to do that. I'm, I'm, I've seen this, and that is if you're going to serve God, if they don't want to go with you, they'll let you go. And we've got to be willing to, like, in our walk to, to go forward and just you know, to let God be first in our life. But then also sometimes people are just unhealthy. And, and they're not unhealthy, realizing they're unhealthy and trying to get help. They're comfortable in their unhealthiness. It's part of their identity and part of who they are. And it helps them portray themselves as a victim. And that's always more important than whether or not the relationship is healthy to them. And so you've got to be willing to let go. You know, I, you know, sometimes, you know, some friendships in our life, that they're, they're there for a lifetime. Some are there for seasons. Some are there for reasons. I've discovered in my own life, you know, one of the things that you'll hardly ever hear pastors say, but it's just true, and, and that is that in my life that, you know, people sometimes that God calls them here for a period of time, and then, and then he leads them to another church. And that's never a fun thing. It doesn't mean they're wrong, but still, you know, it feels like rejection in my own insecurities, in my, you know, my own, you know, place that I need to grow in. But it doesn't mean they're wrong. Sometimes people leave mad. Sometimes they leave hurt. And I'm, I, you know, those things never am I okay with. I never want anybody to leave hurt. You know, it, but it's, it's sometimes there are things that when things happen that you, know, you grieve over. You grieve over. We have the example of, of Samuel, who was the first to recognize Saul as king. And then when God finally said, look, I'm, it's time for a change. He's no longer going to be the guy this other guy is. It says this about Samuel, that he grieved for a while. And God finally said to him, he said, look, you've grieved long enough. It's time for you to move forward. 
there, there's times that we just have to understand that, that some people that they've journeyed with us as far as they're going to. Sometimes as far as they're called to. And if we hold on out of our desperation and begin to compromise what we know to be true, begin to compromise the values in our relationships that God has called us to live. Some people have compromised holiness in their relationship for the so-called false security of, if I compromise here, they'll stay with me. No, there'll be another line you'll have to cross. I, I found this out in my life. Whatever you compromise to keep, you lose. And so we have to understand that we have to be willing to let go sometimes. Right here in this situation, they walked away. And Jesus didn't let him go because he didn't love them. He didn't let him go because he didn't care about them. He let them go because he couldn't turn his back on the truth to keep them. I think another thing we lose sight of is the fact of this, when you think about the prodigal son, that he, when he left his father's house, that it wasn't like his father didn't love him. He, he looked for his return every single day. He wasn't indifferent to him. And the father even had the resources to go and rescue his son and bring him back, but he didn't. And this is because, I believe this is because the father knew this one truth, that as long as the son was unwilling to embrace his heart to what God's plan for him, for him was, that the father was going to interfere with whatever work God was doing in his son's life. So he had to be willing to let him go so that God could do the work that he could only do in his son's heart in the distant land. And so our kids have to understand that sometimes people in our life, they're just there for a period of time. Sometimes that we grow to a place that, that they just want something different than we do. And again, in saying these things, I'm, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking about your kids. Don't bring your eight-year-old down here tomorrow and go, they just want different things than me. They're yours now. And so... <laughs> But it's just hard. We have to recognize that. So number three is this, is that in healthy relationships, sometimes you have to be willing to let go. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. Love you guys. Let's just spend a moment with God. You just pray for, if you're a parent, pray for your kids. Maybe you're struggling in forgiving somebody, man, pray for that. Let's just spend a moment with, with God. Just let him do a work in you right now. Let's endeavor, let's commit to teach our kids how to be great forgivers. Let's teach our kids to, to observe the boundaries that other people put in their lives for us and the ones that, that we, that God has called us to place in our life as well. And, Sometimes we have to be willing to let go. Let's just spend a moment with God.